Is this like pounding the table? <laughs> yeah. I think it's season three. Uh, <laughs> is Tony back? But it. Yeah, Tony's back. Bang. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about stonks. Do you think they'll like talk about JPEGs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shut up, Beavis. No, seriously, Tony's back. Right now. Uh, <laughs> Sweet. But we are underway, and I do mean underway. I wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500. Because they're sheep. And sheep get slaughtered. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season three, episode one of Pounding the Table. It is a brand new year. I got a brand new job in the crypto space, but most importantly, folks, we are back with a brand new season of Pounding the Table. We're going to have some fun in the booth this year because after an absurd 2020, I think, you know, we can speak for most of FinTwit community. Got a little overconfident there, you know, and basically I think everyone kind of got smacked in the face with a bit of humble pie. And I've always said, though, in life, you either win or you learn. And that being said, I, I sure learned a lot this year, Tony. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to be back in the booth. Um, and I want to just go back to having fun with it. Like, I feel like just talking about exactly what everyone wants to talk about every week, the newest, hottest stories, what's making the biggest moves and trends awesome. and themes is like, we're out, yeah, it's, it's tiring, but like, I think that uh, finding exactly what people know, you know, with, with pretty good certainty is going to be like a strong trend or a strong theme or, you know, something that carries a narrative further than like just standard market conditions is like pretty much the focus of this year until like, you know, the Fed situation stables out. But I wanted to just say this like Kobe story real quick. Like, I'm sure people probably saw this clip, but uh Dude's in the playoffs up 2-0 and he's just sitting there getting interviewed and he's got the meanest face ever. Like, I mean, this guy, like you, you couldn't break it into his head with the chainsaw. Like he was so locked in and focused and the reporter asked, he goes, Kobe, you're up 2-0. Like, why aren't you smiling? He goes, was there to be happy about like job finished? Job's not finished. I don't think so. And like, that's, I think that's probably the biggest thing to like, you know, for me, this last year take away from is, Things can change really, really quick. And things can obviously like when they go up in ridiculous amounts, they can come down at ridiculous amounts. And like thinking about, you know, having symmetric and then asymmetric bets and everything that we kind of do in trading, I think I kind of want to like reteach and re re go through the motions of it. Right. Cause like we did the pot a year and a half ago when we started very, very different conditions. And like even earlier this year, I was saying like, you know, when Fed comes, things are going to change and like it's going to, you know, leave. Was it's going to put hair on your chest is what I said. Mm -hmm. And uh, it definitely put hair on the chest for, you know, me and a bunch of other people as well. So like we focus on these growth names that in the past were those Amazons, Facebooks and Googles that did have, you know, the 20, 30, 40% drawdowns and horrible conditions. And I think that, you know, throughout this podcast, we're going to talk a lot about just the situation, looking at which names I guess are like, you know, oversold and like where they could go down to technically like based on charts. Um, but more so just like, looking at individual names and stories, because right now everything is lumped in together. I think we're going to see a lot of decoupling in the coming weeks or so names and letting narratives run on their own again. So we're definitely going to be going over uh, stocks from the Bible, going over a bunch of new names that we talked about this year that we didn't get a chance to add into the Bible that may be uh, finding their way onto this next one. 
always going to be talking about all this news that's going on around the world because it is definitely a, uh, a pretty deep thread on these headlines. Every single day, you're getting a bunch of new news about the economy. So got to keep that definitely on lock. And we'll be getting back to our roots, getting back in the lab, bringing on some more incredible guests, and honestly, just back to having fun with it in the pod like we did the first season, regardless of uh, where the market's at. I had so much fun season one, season two for like a month, and then <laughs> just downhill from there. But let's let's get back, man. I think, you know, it was nice to have that end of the year. I know we both did a little bit of traveling. I had this crazy issue with my eye, but thankfully that has been resolved. Shout out to like all these phenomenal doctors here in New York. I literally thought I was going to go like half blind in my left eye. So that was a huge moment of like reflection and, and humbling for me. Thank God I, I will be okay there. And, and Tony, you're out there traveling too. You know, I think you're still out in, in Cali. You mentioned, I know last time, last time we were out West, you had this, we had a nice little uh, reversal, but you know, you're, you're out yeah. there looking like Danny Zudo. You, you had this leather jacket on, but now you're looking like a Biggie Smalls with this cardigan. I got to change Cali. my outfit depending on the weather. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, you know, my brother's uh, going to graduate this year. So I thought I'd come here for a little bit, but I, I really do like coming here because I wake up super early and then it just gives me like, like I'll be up at five and it doesn't even feel that early here. And I'll just grind through the day and I can work later because it's only like five at night. So I'll actually like the time and gives me more time for trading and more time for just like researching stocks. So I do well up here. So new year, same market as always, but I definitely want to like start back up because I think we haven't like deeply gone over bonsai and like strategies and stuff since like episode 20 or episode you know 25 or 15 so like I, I i think one of the big things that people come and they listen to the podcast and they like have no idea like i guess where things are at you know because like we'll, we'll talk about a name a year plus ago and you know it, it'll have a a move up or a move down or a big move up and down and so like you kind of just kind of need to be like aware of the strategies and like you know how to time it and like what's the conditions overall. So I definitely want to just like go back from scratch, start over, and then just bring out a brand new strategy, I think just for the current conditions. Uh, so let's pop into it. The stock twits updates of the last few weeks since we have been gone uh, the past couple. QQQ, Tony, that ripped at the end of the year. We thought I had Santa was coming to town again from 380 to 400. Then of course, a week later, that came right back down, basically giving up those gains. IWM, one of your favorites, showed some weakness, right? In the small caps, so they went from their highs of 240s down to 216. There's a crazy picture that you're, we're going to kind of get into here and we'll share later on, but it shows what it would look like without FANG, right? And you came up with this funny uh, acronym here, FANG me, like FAN and GMI. You always say like these five stocks are kind of holding up the market, right? So Talk to what, what's happening in this picture. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, talk about QQQ and, and I've posted a lot of things on Twitter about this, just showing like the main components are like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, right? So those names were responsible for like the majority of gains in from 2015 to 2021, right? So if you just, and we'll share this chart too, it's just like such a much more That's vertical crazy. exponential chart for just the FANGM and then SPX, minus the fang m and then with it and so like in, in comparison went up four times more than the general market without it um and even if you just add fang it, it did give it another like 20 30 percent boost but that's just in the spx if you look at like qqq which is the nasdaq those have double the weighting so most of the qqq's gains like if you're buying qqq just know you're essentially buying like those seven stocks or like eight because like that's like 50 plus percent of q's 
of the NASDAQ, which is just those stocks. So those have obviously been the ones that have been the strongest, like Google, I don't know where it closed out, but it was up over 50%. You had like only Amazon trailing, really everything else had like a decent year in FANG. And so I think obviously this is because of the market reverting this year, you know, and then IWM, you know, should be way lower, but because there's so many banks in IWM, it holds it up for the weakness in small caps. So one thing I wanted to talk about is just like understand the components in those indices. So you could say like, oh, well, small caps are, aren't really down that much. But like if you take IWM minus the banks, right, you'll, you'll see it'll look a lot like the arc chart. And so, you know, that's that's where those hits are coming in that you don't necessarily see. And like even in the queues, you've got a ton of names in the queues making lows, but you've got like the big, big cap Q names that are doing well because like the dollar is getting stronger. And that's why like you get SE and Mealy getting crushed. And like Fed was extre- like, you know, we're, we're, we're tapering. We're going to be raising rates like what, two, three times this year. And every time you think the Fed's going to slow it down a little bit, they're getting more and more worried about inflation persisting. And now they're like saying, you know, like we're close to like, you know, full employment. But it's funny, Avi, I have this chart that I sent you from the Fred, Fred chart. And it just shows that like from 2000 to now, you've seen the percent in the labor market, the labor force participation rate has just continuously gone down, right? Like technology, mm-hmm. automation, different ways to make money. And like, you know, we talked about all those like workers who were trying to get jobs in the industries that just haven't came back as much in the last year and a half. And like after six months, they don't count necessarily. So I, I don't necessarily think that like people understand that. The reason I say that the rates BS is because like, percents change, but like the actual number hasn't. And in one year, we have like only 1 million more jobs overall. And if you think of like how much population growth versus death, it it should be higher is what I'm saying. But there's people doing God, you know, God knows what job that they're self-employed now and like trading or crypto or whatever it might be. Right. Now, this this chart, everyone should actually go and and look this up. Uh, we'll, We'll post it on our Twitter handle, but this is crazy. So if you look at this chart, like literally from the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, looks like a very healthy chart, right? And then you, you kind of see that dot com, like and all this technology start to come into play and kind of it stays where it's at kind of in the 2000s. And then it starts to drop down here in 2010, yeah, from 67 down to 60 in 2020. And then now it's just back at like little over 62. It's crazy. But I mean, and, and that, all that automation we've always talked about, you know, in everything, there's now automation, right? So people are losing jobs, right? These kind of uh, lower level jobs are taken over by robots. So like, I don't think these jobs are going to continue to perk up, even though the populations are getting larger. And right. Larger. You'd expect for it to, Exa- it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just nuts. It's nuts because like you can look at it and say the percentage is good, but like the way that it's calculated just shows you that like, yes, people are exiting the labor market. Why are, re- why are real wages going up? Like I-, I would argue that it would be because it's hard to find people to work in jobs. So you have to pay them more because, right, like if you look at the if you look at the, the standard like labor demand supply graph, like from Econ 101, you have to either raise like the input costs, like raise the price that you pay your workers. Right. And that mm-hmm. raises the the supply of labor and then like the demand of labor and the supply come out in equilibrium. And so, you know, people are getting slight real wage growth. And like also minimum wage changes like across different states, $15 minimum wage here and there. Like you're, you're getting it. It's just people are not wanting to work those jobs for those prices. You know, milk is $7 a gallon or $6 a gallon, whatever. Like inflation has really hit and gas has been very like pricey. Lumber started ticking up. So, I mean, I think now you're just getting 
a bunch of consumer inflation that's come from people making a bunch of money in 2020 on asset inflation. And, you know, now I think things have to settle out. And so my concern is the Fed's just going to come and sweep this too fast because like they, they went from saying we're going to be chill to saying we're going to be a little less chill. And now we're going to mm. be definitely not chill. And then they're about to be like, I'm not chill at all. I'm, I'm burning hot. <laughs> so it's hard to think that not a lot of this is priced in. It really is hard for me to not assume because like if you look at these names, like we talked about, you know, where multiples are at and we'll talk about this more in the pod, but. It's just interesting to say that like the actual conditions of the market, when you look at the surface of SPY because of those five fang stocks or seven fang stocks, and then you look at the labor force, then you look at the absolute value versus the percentages. It's like, are we really in a super strongly good economy or is it just a different economy that like the old metrics are making it look good still? I think it's Mm -hmm. the latter. And so, you know, it makes me wonder what's really going to happen. It's like, is fang going to be 70% of the NASDAQ? Right. Or is it going to well, even back out? Like, and going back to, I think what you're saying too, with this, this labor force thing is is really interesting, right? Of how that's going to shift from obviously COVID was a, was a massive catalyst for all of this, right? It kind of just it, it accelerated, I think, what was going to be inevitable, and people Agreed. are you know getting more creative. They're doing you know we do in a podcast, we got bored, and so we started doing that. But like, there's millions of other quote unquote creators out there, like on TikTok, everyone thinks they're going to be a TikTok star. It's like the new athlete, like growing up, like <laughs> right. everyone thought they were going to be an athlete. Right. And then there's people that, that do make, you know, great money off of it, but it's one in a million. There's a few people. And so the problem with that I see is like, people don't think they need to work these younger generations. I mean, you know, probably better than I do, right? Things will just shift perhaps, but going back to this chart real quick. So using that example, right? We, we say like the fang. I'm looking at this chart. It literally looks parabolic and everything I always think is going to come back to, to some sense of a healthy growth model. But mm-hmm. so it, it, if in fact fang does start to, uh, you know, retract here and, and come down, like what does that do to the growth stocks in your mind? Is that compression going to like kill yeah. off these companies or is, is now another chance to kind of get back in when that does happen? Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 this is something I've struggled with understanding for like a while. It's just like, how is like, I always say when something gets, when a, like when a Ponzi gets too big, it, it is going to stay that big. Right. And like, this is not me. I'm not saying like Ponzi in the way of a scheme. I'm saying just the mechanics of how the price of something go up is like Ponzi-nomics, really Mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, you have these seven stocks that make up the indices that we know that have to go up, right? Because like, if if growth stocks die, the Fed's not going to say anything. Have you, has Powell said anything? Really nothing good for them. So he doesn't like, Mm -hmm. they don't care about that. What they care about is what the indices are doing. They care about what the, the main big ETFs are doing. They care about even what bonds are doing, right? So like, that, that's what they're focusing on. And so I, I just don't know how Fang is going to crash unless it's an, it has to overall be an SPX NASDAQ, like over market crash. But that would mean that the fears have to be something other than inflation and tapering. Because like right. inflation and tapering for companies that have 200, $300 billion in cash, like if that's the rate, like it, just think about it like this, like if that's the rate of borrowing money, A, you could just use your own cash. And B, if inflation goes down, your cash reserves are going to be worth more, right? Because like the dollar gets stronger and you have 300 billion in cash, like Apple, 
or whatever it might mm-hmm. be these days. Probably I mean, more. It's crazy. Like, so, think, right. So like, I mean, think about it though. They really impact every part of our society and our life. You know, you think about they right. They're the, the best companies Google, in the like world. Apple owns what's yeah. in your pocket with your phone. They own your thoughts soon. Like they can buy any new company that's starting, you know, starting to potentially creep in there. And then that boom, they can build a new leg or strengthen what they're doing already. So yeah. It, it and, and, and so that's a great point, Avi. That's a great point right there. Like, are some of these companies, like it is the way that it restarts people saying like Apple is like, oh, we have 300 billion in cash. We could literally buy four or five of these companies. Like we could buy Unity. We could buy this. We could buy that. And like, you know, just to dominate this next metaverse wave or this next crypto or like whatever wave, like how people are doing. Are these mm-hmm. companies going to start making moves like that? Like cloud multiples are back at like, let, let me look at this chart here, because I added this to just, it's just insane because if you look at all that's happened and we talked about how like e-commerce and all these different trends have aged like 10 years in a year, and then mm-hmm. things are back to the multiples that they were prior, like EV to next 12 month revenue multiples for, for cloud are back to where they were pre COVID, right? They're like 11 X. Um, right. so, you know, cloud software multiples are exactly where we were pre COVID looking at the median. It doesn't mean we can't go lower, nothing magical about pre COVID levels. I mean, I agree. But like the high high growth multiples are still 54% above COVID levels. So like even though net came down 50%, it's still like, you know, it's one of those that's way over that actual yeah. uh, pre-COVID saying, multiple. You're saying pins is like a value stock now based off their PE. Yeah, I saw this Which chart like from uh, it was from from at from growth to value. I just I had to talk about this because it just made me laugh. Like looking at like the Pinterest PE forward ratio, comparing it to Coke and Pepsi. Like I get it. You don't have to be super bullish pins. I'm not even super bullish pins, but everything they're all trading at 25 times PE. And like, I'll tell you one's growing way faster than the other. Like, it's just, it's kind of funny. You just think about that situation and knowing that like Coke and Pepsi, obviously great companies, but there's a, those are very different businesses that should receive different valuations, I believe. But, um, that's the I'm market that we're in right super now. Super bullish, Pepsi. Uh, yeah, <laughs> long coke, bro. Long coke. <laughs> I bet. Um, so yeah, let's talk about SE. Obviously, there, there's been it's it's insane. I think it's down like fifty percent since its highs, right? And yeah, I think a lot more. of that recent dump. Yeah, the recent dump was with that ten cent sell off. They sold off fourteen point five million shares, which reduced their stake in the company from twenty one point three percent down to eighteen point seven. But Tony, you were saying like the key here is that their voting shares went under 10%. And you were talking about like the importance, obviously, of India. Yeah. I mean, Tencent's not dumping their whole bag. First of all, they still own eight, like 18.7% of a $108 billion company is like a $21 billion bag. They're definitely bullish. And they also are not going to be selling for six more months, like after what they sold they were going to sell. So like, it starts being a math play, right? It starts just being an equation. Like I started doing, I was really like in the lab the last week or so, like just looking at these names because when everyone's crying and running and everything sucks and like you want to never touch stocks again is when you better start fucking like looking at the markets because that's when that you're going to get those opportunities that change your life and set you up for the next year. Because the way this is going to go is it's not, it's not going to be like a steady reversal. Like once we reverse, we will trend because like it's been such a strong drop the only way you get us, and I'm talking about every growth name. The only way you get a reversal is a meaningful change in narrative or the uncertain news becoming certain and then just already priced in at that time. Because by the time something happens, that price is that priced inness is priced in. Like 
by the time we raise rates, I don't think we're going to go lower because if you didn't sell before you raise rates, like you're not selling after the rates were raised. It, it, it doesn't, it's not logical. Like there's some dumb people out there. It's not, I don't think there's that many dumb people, but I mean, that's, I think, I think that's the way it's going to go. But just talking about SE here is one of those like scratch my head. Why are you selling? Why is it so down kind of questions? If they're selling those shares and they are to be able to get into India and crush it even more, like that's bullish. India's huge gaming market. India's a huge market that's perfectly coinciding with how C operates in general, right? You hit the mobile mm -hmm. phones. India's got a shit ton of mobile phones. You get in with Free Fire. You do all these different things in the Garena sector. And then you you sell those like smaller, cheaper products on SE. And then you move them up to like everything else. And you connect their wallets because they don't have banks as much as the US. And so like, obviously, India's and, and also India is going to be like, isn't that going to be though is going to be way worth more than that 13% voting rights or whatever they had before. Yeah, like exactly. The addition 100%. of India and these other countries they're going into. Plus as plus 10 cent probably was being strategic and they're like, damn, like a bunch of our bags are getting racked. It's probably a good time to take a little bit off like the bag that held the best and then just like mm -hmm. ape some other stuff. And then we could use that to also get into India. So I think right, it's like a bunch of different things of coming now. together. Right. They bought this at like, I think they like <laughs> initially, but pretty much imagine it's from zero because that's how much they're up. Um, but yeah, like they're not going to sell for six more months. So if you know that 10 cents sold 3%, all right, and it's at like 180, and then you realize that people are saying that Free Fire is going to slow this and that, I don't think gaming is going to slow the way people think. I don't, they, and we've already, like, if you want to hear what I think about Garena, like we have another pod on this completely. It's like in the last 10 or 15, but they're making a bunch of derivatives of games and then not even to mention that they put a bill into that like VR, like AR artificial intelligence lab that they're making and their VC lab. So they have like things coming out that I think are going to all just be connected and like synergize with the metaverse and gaming. And if you think like a million plus people show up to online free fire, like, to, to free fire tournaments, think about how much money you're going to be able to make when like you put the VR headset on and instead of like having your skins just die and you have to get the next or like just, go away or whatever your, your in-game items go away like once those become nfts you'll be able to like resell that see we'll make money off of those and i think that they're moving towards that because they did invest like over half a billion in ftx which means that they're super bullish on crypto because ftx is like the perfect partner for them so i think that those things are not factored in whatsoever and then i think that people who are like looking at like the fundamentals and we'll definitely take a look at the fundamentals here like I like Koifin a lot. I think Koifin has like great visuals and it has like really good data. This is not an ad for Koifin, but if Koifin's listening, they hit should. me up. I was looking just at the like the rolling uh, next 12 month estimate of like sales versus a stock price. And like it's been trending all the way since 2020, just moving line and step, line step with the sales and then just took like a huge dump. So like it's back to where it was in price and the sales from... 2021 or they're double now right like the next we gotta share these so it's like <laughs> to nuts you, yeah right like we have to like they're nuts they're just like if you just look at how far things are from the meat and then what's really nuts is if you go and look at amazon you look at google you look at facebook and you look at like you know all those names microsoft whatever there are times when those names went way under where the sales and the eps and ebitda like trail lines go and then they come right back up over time but that's in the longer term and so like is this look like a, like a joke valuation to me trading at like, what is SE's trading at, I think six or seven times next year's sales growing EPS, 
So you got SE here, $105 billion cap, right? 7.3 times forward revenue to sales or, or enterprise value to sales. So that's like, that's this price to sales ratio. It's literally 7.3 times. And then you look over here at how much growth it's going to have in its revenues and its sales. So this 2021, it grew sales 116%. All right. That's kind of crazy. 2022, it's expected to grow another 50%. And 2023 is 35%. So like, I, and this is like, we're just restart. Like just easiest example is like still one of my favorite companies besides coin is SE right now. So I want to like show how, like why I'm looking at this and what, why it makes sense, even in this climate, like at these levels to like think about the stock. So 105 billion market cap this year, it did 10 billion or 2022, it's going to do 14.2 billion in sales. So that's, first of all, pretty cheap valuation. Then you look at the like, EBITDA, right? So they could be EPS profitable, but they're literally choosing to continue investing. So this year, each quarter, they're supposed to be EBITDA profitable, which they haven't been consistently for the last two years. But that's, that's because they expanded to like Latin America and Mexico, like they're literally expanding everywhere. And if you can remember what Amazon did back in the day, like, you know, seven, eight years ago, this is the same qualms people had. I remember when Amazon was 800 and it went to 400 for this exact reason. So, I mean, just like, it, it, you know, spade is a spade is a time. It's, n it's not time linear. So yeah. that's another thing to think about. I actually was looking um, and at then, it. It was not 100%, ahead. but I, I was just going to say, like, I, I was looking at the Amazon charts from like, if you go like the all time. It's funny because they do they do have a decent drop, but it looks like a blip because it's you know it just yeah, but, straight but up that, after that. And that, and that is that's exactly the truth. Like that's why you look at a longer term perspective because like the, the reason why these companies are getting sold off and like SE SE could theoretically not expand anymore and then just be profitable without putting a bunch of money in all these different places, which takes away from their profit. But wouldn't mm -hmm. you want something to like you know grab as much land as they can? get in as many industries as they can and then compound on those. Cause like right now it's the time instead of just stacking cash, it's to stack opportunity. And that's what they're doing because they know yeah. that like all these different things, these next trends, like gaming is one of the biggest trends in the next, like for sure in the mm -hmm. next decade, there's going to be a way to connect, you know, home sales to some VR, some AR, like all these weird futuristic things are going to be happening in the next five years. And I think the companies that just have the most users are just trying to position themselves to take advantage of all those opportunities. Like, Facebook being the easiest one meta, right? Like that's just as, as easy as it is. And, I, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about like crypto, Dogecoin, la la la. Like I'm talking about just like a new way we transact. Like it just, it, the, oh, the blockchain yeah. does open a lot of opportunities for us to game, for us to meet in person and, and virtually, and like it'd be the same thing. And I, ju I just think that there's going to be so much money in there because COVID has kind of conditioned us for this way in the last two years. And like I was saying earlier, it takes, you know, two to two months, two weeks to two months to make a really strong habit. Imagine two years of, you know, having to consistently worry about where you're going and what you're doing. You're going to be very much so inclined to meet at an in-game, you know, e-sports e tournament online versus like in person. That's just uh, my logic. I, I see it now. Like at my new company, we're working with all of these either entrepreneurs, different blockchain technology companies, fintechs, et cetera. And some of these ideas that they're throwing at me are, are incredible. And so my boss actually said something hilarious that I, I love. He's like, every company's in blockchain. They just don't know it yet. Everything just becomes more efficient, right? And, and blockchain allows that to happen. But uh, going back to what you're saying real quick on SE, one thing I was thinking about, while I'm looking long-term at India as a huge opportunity, 
someone else could say, Hey, they're going to have to spend a boatload more money again. Right. And right. I know we both think right. the same. It's like, okay, they're spending money now to make a right. lot more later. No, fantastic but, point. You're hundred percent right. Let's move on to a few other things. I know we were just talking a little bit about like the NFT space right now. Uh, GME GameStop obviously made some huge moves after hours. I'm kicking myself because I said, why are we not shorting GME? You did. Like, you did tell this. me. Yeah. I didn't do it though. That's what, that's like, that's my ADD just like threw me off, but completely forgot to do that. And that was pretty obvious play. Like one thought, like I, I see both sides, right? On one hand, I'm like, all right, they're not going to be able to necessarily license all the IP, but maybe they could, right? Maybe, maybe they do partner with some of these gaming companies and they do these drops. I was thinking of how DraftKings do partnerships with the NFL or NBA or whoever, right. these players to do those drops. Like right. I was going to DraftKings three times a day, right? It's like you get someone into your shop. You it's like Costco having cheap chicken or whatever they have, you know, to, to drive people. The $1 the hot dogs, bro. The right. $1 exactly. hot dogs. So, you know, the so founder of Costco, the... you know, back in the day, the founder of Costco, like they were trying to figure out like Costco was having problems with money and they're like, we have to raise the price of hot dogs. And the creator of Costco was like, if you touch the price of hot dogs, I will kill you with my bare hands. <laughs> Cause he's like, I swear Verbatim. to God, he said this and, and it's still $1 hot dogs or whatever, $1. fifty hot dogs. And that's right. people know, right. It's a brand. It is. Speaking of uh, a DraftKings, actually massive news for me. And uh, all New Yorkers that are breaking up with their bookies today because New York finally got their way. It was a whole back and forth. They were trying to get in there. Avi, how are you going to break up with him? Dude? The guy's got your social at this point. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, no, but it, I mean, it's really interesting, right? You, you see, we, we said in season one, like a second, third episode, we're like, all right, every state's going to eventually have to take in some tax money and weed and sports gambling and all that stuff's going to happen in every state. And it's happening, New York dude. You, money, one of the, you need money. Yeah, New York was one of the craziest ones, though, right? So they're actually taking 51% tax of the revenue. In New York, which is insane. So, like Arizona, I was looking up, it's eight percent what they're taking off of that. So, you know, while well, one thing from an investor, the the most obvious, if you're not looking at under the hood a little bit, you're like, oh wow, New York now all these new betters, but like they're taking fifty one percent of the profit. But you know, I think this is a long game. Like maybe they they net out and they'll they'll figure out a way to to make money in maybe other areas. So their CEO Jason Robbins, he was suggesting that it's not going to be a huge loss for them because they're actually not going to have to spend as much on marketing, which is interesting. You think you know the natural thing would be you enter a new market, you're going to have to do more marketing. But I think at this point, everyone's seen them on TV, and now they can actually have access to sport bet, right? And so that will be uh, incredible for me. Uh, and all the other degenerates that are out there. Uh, excited about that. This is a huge, huge day for us here in New York City. Real quick, Ford has run uh, 74% over the past six months, which is incredible watching them uh, with their EV plays. It'll be interesting to see if these original OEMs will start chipping away at the masses. They got to sell that. <laughs> they, they have to sell. Dude, they better sell shares and pay back their debt or something ASAP because... <laughs> Like, I don't know how long They're an American company though. We got to go. Is, is this what yeah. su supply chain issues, double a company that took out like 60 billion in debt. Let's all right. What happened yeah. to GM? Like, I don't know. The, the opposite of debt here, uh, Apple, despite the shakeup, I don't know if you saw that story with the air tags, this model in New York, someone tossed it, an air tag into her like jacket and, and was able to like track her on her way home. Don't try that but, at yeah. home kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that has, creepy. I mean, like you could, you could autopilot a car into someone's house but you know what i'm saying like right. you know, te technology lets you do whatever you want you got to just be right. a good actor
He needs some bullish. Security. That's bullish for Blackberry. Apple. <laughs> you know what you say, Avi? Like you always want us. I want to get sued on here for like music infringement, but because <laughs> then we would blow up. Wu Tang Clan's coming after Wu Tang uh, Clan. Hopefully not. I met the men. I met you for a year and a half, <laughs> just trying to get them to send an email of cease and desist. But like, that's I hope they hear this. It. <laughs> I'm not fucking taking it down. <laughs> we ain't, we ain't selling uh, Bitcoin. A little bear market, dude. So you saw it go from like fifty thousand to forty one six in the past month. Uh, Bro, it's under 40 right now. Yeah, though. So I was looking at the chart, though, because I was like, well, how crazy is this? Bitcoin was 7,000 at the end of January 2020. So, like, I already know your answer when we get to crypto. We're talking about that here in just a second. But, like, there's no reason to worry about Bitcoin, is there? Because, like, ETH also went from 4,700 in November, now sitting at 3,100 range. Like, is this just crypto being crypto? Or is there other market, you know, conditions <sighs> that are causing this? All right. So before I'll just preface this and say, like, uh, we're going to be a, a stock show for a long time. But like, I want to throw 10 or 15 I'm minutes crypto of crypto now. So we can. We, yeah, we're no, gonna, I know. We're going well, to. I didn't have two I'll, more I'll months. You, <laughs> yeah, it's very much syncopated with the markets. Like, I think that, like, you know, it's a good bellwether. And sometimes it's been a leader for growth markets. So you have to understand both and watch both. And it also just like directly is a tie in to Fed's liquidity and rate changes and like just the general markets like. It is a very good proxy to just like gauge stuff off of, which is why we're going to keep talking about it, whether you like stocks or not, or whether you like crypto or not. Um, but, you know, in terms of the names that like I want to just restart the bonsai and like, you know, go over and touch on every one of the themes. Like we talked about like SE at that price point and, you know, like all they have coming out, the fact that they're purposefully not profitable right now and they're going like they're making profit. They're just not taking profit like it's very different and so in a year or two you'll start seeing that like it'll get valued as like shopify which is still held up very very well if you think about how well a shop is held up and like other names like that so those names that are like on that 50 to 100 bill cusp if you look at their fundamentals and you see like in the amount of time that they're going to change from like negative to positive eps and growing that's like the best opportunities i'm thinking and so this is why like i was thinking looking really deeply into coinbase recently like i know that like you know I, I i like coinbase at whatever price it's at but because if you look at the estimates and you look at the price of where it's at right now right so it's a 50 billion dollar company 232 a share and you look over here and you say well they're expecting to do like 7.8 billion in revs this year next year and the year after with increasing eps so th the this is the math problem, right? And, and your answer is whatever you want. So A, I'm bullish crypto. Coin is currently right now valued as not growing. And so if you think coin will not grow at all, like in revenues in the next three years, which will obviously, you know, more revenues can translate into more profits and more EPS and possibly dividends and stuff down the road. So, right, like you need a bigger net, right? So revenues are your net. And then how small the net holes are is your, you know, your margin. So you think about like the company just being valued as not growing for three years besides a little bit of EPS growth. I think that's absurd. And the last time I saw something that stupid was Tesla. And I think that if you kind of just really think about if they're valuing coin at 50 billion, so 50 billion, even 232 a share. So it's got 6.4 times price of sales for next year. 29 times PE. So like, first of all, Apple is a 29 times PE. Google is a 29 times PE. Okay. So that's like 
a fairly valued company anytime you look at it. If you're if you're comparing it to the market that we're in right now, that's a fairly valued company. So if you look and say like, well, they did 7.4 billion in 2021, they're going to do 7.26 in 2022 and 8.1 in 2023. And along those lines, like EPS is going to be it was 14 this last year. It's about to be 7.9 this year and then 8.85 next year. So you're seeing like, yeah, EPS came down a bunch because there's so many transactions and, and different things because crypto got more mainstream. They got more users. So the fees came down. So it's just an adjustment period for this. And they're expanding and spending a lot of money and growing coin ventures and other things. So yeah. if you're assuming that everything about Coinbase stays the same for the next three years, it's a fairly valued, good valued company, honestly. But if you assume like, like if you pick up one brain cell off the ground and you put it in your head, and you look and you say like OpenSea just got a $13 billion valuation. Okay. Like this is just math. Like there's no, uh, math doesn't lie. OpenSea got a $13 billion valuation. OpenSea takes a 2.5% royalty on every NFT trade, every single one. And like, don't just think I'm talking about like little board eight pictures or whatever. Like I'm talking about everything, like anything that's going to be a smart immutable contract will eventually be sold on Coinbase. Like you'll probably be buying houses off of Coinbase. Like think they're, think about that. Yeah, they're, I mean, that, like, that's what I was just about to get into. I mean, I was just going to their partner, coinbase.com backslash partners. Just like explore that because what you're saying is true. Yeah, and going back exactly. to like what my boss said is like everyone is in blockchain company. They just don't know it yet. Like merchants right. and websites, like you were talking about with real estate. Like if they get a little chunk of every single transaction, they could like that, literally run this like web They have 72 world. million wallets, man. 72 million wallets. There is nowhere else. now. 73, there's nowhere else that has that many wallets. And if you think about like, it's not just like, oh, I made it like, it's not like a, a random exchange wallet. Like that wallet on Coinbase is, is probably your fattest wallet. Like unless you're using like cold storage or whatever, like that, that is definitely going to be where you keep the majority of your crypto money. So, so knowing that like a accessibility fund is check B OpenSea is valued at 13 billion. And there's really only 300 to 500,000 wallets that are active on OpenSea period. And so Knowing that the coin whitelist is over, the the whitelist for or the waitlist whitelist lol the waitlist for Coinbase whitelist is an NFT term that's funny but like LOL, the waitlist for yeah yeah lol Larry the 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 Coinbase waitlist is three point like three plus million so that's already six times OpenSea I, I will give you like the the bare case for what Coinbase's NFT marketplace is worth we we'll just say half of OpenSea which is an egregious sandbag and it, like it's, it's like eight times sandbag but yeah. 13, right? So you have 500,000 on OpenSea, 3 million on coin. That's six because 500 times six is 3 million. So six times OpenSea is 13 billion. All right. Six times that, that's 78. So divide that by two. What you got, Avi? 39 billion is what that's worth. Coin is worth 50. I know the answer. Coin is worth, coin is worth 50 billion today. And so if you value coin with six times the amount of people in OpenSea and cut that value in half, that's 40 billion additional in market cap. So like that doesn't make sense that it's already just only worth 50 billion. And that's not even counting in coin ventures and they're adding DeFi on Coinbase, which means like basically decentralized finance is like self-banking, like decentralized banking, like moving money around, having a bank, loaning out all that stuff. But like coins going to start just doing that for you. Like, I, I don't think people understand that. Like, would you look at JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs? 
coin will be worth at least what those are, if not what they're all worth together. Like, I really think this, like genuinely, like would be shocked if coin is not a trillion dollar company in a decade. And like, maybe it takes longer. I don't think it does, but saying that it's not going to grow for three years and knowing that if you just look at the month, one month of how much VC money poured into crypto, one month of, uh, if you just look at over the last like November, December and January, it, it, it is about what coin is worth. Like every month, like they have the most, no matter what, you're not going to switch from Coinbase to like finance or you're not going to like, you're, that's I mean, the grail. I'm seeing it, dude. My new company, I'm like startups, the new startups are building on blockchain. So they, they, it just think yeah, about business you have, in bro, general. It's, it's, it's crazy to see like what, what's happening, but I'll th- tell you what I really Tony think. We love, man. You're, you're in the I really zone think right point. Now. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, this is like what I'm, I just think people are crying and stuff. And this is when you find opportunities. Like this is when I make the most money is these opportunities like this, whether they're leaps or whatever it might be that I'm going to like play on these things. But I do see coin. It, it just, if you, if you look at Tesla, Tesla before it took off, like if you miss Tesla, it's because you did not understand like the company. And like, I, and I think that that's okay. I mean, people, all the analysts said no, all the banks said no. And now all the banks are saying 1500. It's just crazy to think about, but assuming that coin is not going to grow from here in the next three years, if you just overlay the chart of wallet growth and you know that wallet growth is related to transactions, it's just the math is just there. I don't know how they're so I don't get it. I don't know who put the math in that Excel sheet, but it's bullshit. It's so stupid. And they're all wrong. Like I, I, I'm it's, it's like one of the clearest things ever to me, because saying it's going to do 7.5 billion for three years in a row, when we literally added however many tens of millions of wallets this year, and you don't think that like, someone is telling their friend to like, hey, make a Coinbase, like a Robin Hood, not going to make it. I was not going to stop you there. Uh, let's get into questions from the audience. First question is from, I think it's Ivana Freedom. Do you think that everything going externally in the markets and with the younger generations moving into crypto, like we were just talking about, do you think growth stocks will continue to lose some of their market cap? Or do you think that we'll have a chance to rebound here in 2022? I mean, yes and no. Like, I, I think that like, the money that like, I, I don't think big money that was in stocks has completely moved out of stocks to into crypto. Like, I think that there's people who are bridging the gap and like people will decide where they want to go in the next year or two. But there is still, you know, a huge difference in the caps of the stock market and the crypto market. Like all of crypto is worth less than Apple. So like the risk reward in crypto, way higher. The strength, in stocks versus crypto, far higher. And I'm not, I'm not talking like price action. I'm talking like, is that company going to be around in a decade? Very, very different markets, right? Like when, when you're in the crypto casino, as they say, like you are playing with other people. It's a one-on-one transaction. Like it's me versus Avi versus like the markets. It's like every share is fungible, right? It's not like that. It's how much money and how much liquidity is in that pool of assets or that basket that index or that market in general or, or that sector so like i i think that there's always going to be people trading stocks this is never not going to be people trading stocks or trading companies is what i'm saying and right now those companies are not tokens yet they're still shares so people will still be trading obviously i just think that like the the, the degeneracy that you see with like amc and gamestop and like all those things of last year that i think that has moved like a lot in part to crypto because those are the guys with robin hoods and Robinhood already has crypto and it's only one step away from making a MetaMask. And it's like, I think 
I think that you have obviously seen money flow into that, which is why the number of wallets go up and this and that. Like money comes from somewhere. It's not just coming from thin air, even though people think it grows on trees. But um, if in a year SE is at 180, the company messed up bad, but I don't think the company is going to mess up bad, right? Like I, I think if you look back and you've ever been in this market for like long, a long time, like I've been in this market for like a decade and I've seen times where I'm like, man, like Microsoft, like whatever, or like, man, like last year, even 2020 TTD is like 140. And I'm just like, oh gosh. And this is before the split. Like all, all these things, like shop went down to 220 and then it's like, you know, 1500. Like you have to really just understand that everything will pass. It's very, like, I heard this thing that Tom Hanks said, guy's a legend. And he's like, how do you feel? And then someone goes like, I don't feel so good. And he goes, no, that'll pass. And he goes, someone else, how you feel? I feel amazing. Like I just won the lottery or whatever. And he goes, that will pass. So like, understand that like both ways, whether you're great or you're fucked up, like things will, things will pass. Right. And like, I think that these names are just in that ladder basket right now. And you just got to understand that the conditions can be worse for a while. I'm not saying I'm, it's not me calling bottom I'm done. I'm done. Like I had a bad call at like January early. I thought we were going to get heavy inflows up, but then fed through the monkey wrench in and, and it, what is, it is what it is, but doesn't mean I'm not bullish like over a year. And it doesn't mean I'm not bullish in crypto, like over the next few months. I just think that it's a waiting game and it has to be a strong narrative shift. Like every pop's going to get sold until something is so meaningfully different in the story that like it doesn't. And when it doesn't get sold, SE will be 250, you know, like that. It's just, you just have to understand that there, there is a timing for it like, it's a cycle. And so like, I, I mean, I traded SE from 200 to 230, scaled a bunch out. And like I hedged with puts on weeklies and it, you know, goes down. I still have my shares, but you roll those puts down whatever, like you can protect that capital better than just like letting it ride out. And I was also talking, I was talking to Riley yesterday and he's like, I do want to throw some leaves on for like long-term names he was saying. And I was like, honestly, think about it. So like people are like, I want to buy something, but I don't want to risk like a hundred shares of SE, $18,000 or $19,000. Okay. You know, if it goes to 120, which it could like, I, this is like, I'm trying to like explain like, you know, like some, uh, it could go to 120 in this climate. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that like ARC's probably going to hold 82 because 82 is a super, like if it doesn't hold 82, it'll be really bad. So like, I think 82 will hold because that's like the last strong volume shelf. And after 15 point drop, 15 point drop in like five days, like reflexivity is just going to rip it back. But, you know, j just think about how much you want to risk out for certain things if you're trying to play the upside. Like, you know, 100 shares of SC versus like a six month out leap at 210 or 200 strike for 1500 or make it a spread for like 1100. Like Riley and I were just like checking these out yesterday. Just think like you risk one tenth of it. And if it reverses, you can use that and exercise your shares there versus like having to worry about it going to 120. So like that, that, that's kind of like where I'm at right now. Like instead of putting in large amounts of capital, like I'm waiting for that because once the bounce comes and once it's a real bounce and like, you'll know the atmosphere will change, the headlines will change, the rocket emojis will come back. Like stuff like that will happen. And then you'll, that's when those leaps get really heavy price right now. They're worth, it's just the risk reward on things is getting silly. Um, but it doesn't mean it can't go lower. So that's why the way that I'm betting now is very different. And with those leaps, hopefully it'll come into shares that I can exercise and then hold, like have a new average at like, you know, 200 and like an average at 250 or whatever. And then 
you can trim those leaps off. And like, if you think about if you buy something like an option and it goes up five or 10 X and you sell that and you buy shares of that stock, your risk has decreased by many folds because like if that stock goes down 20%, your option position goes back to zero. If the stock goes down 20% and you move that position into shares, you're down 20% on what that full value is. So like you play the options for the big rally pump because you don't want to invest a ton and have net go to 50. And then as the market gets better, you play less options and you just start accumulating shares with trades. That That's just my, that's what I was talking to Riley about. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not saying this is what everyone should do by any means. I'm just saying like, if you don't know, if you want to buy like SC at 180, if you think it could go to 120, but you're like also like, oh, I don't want to miss the bottom. I, I, those are just like things to think about because it's not the same risk and it could be a very similar reward. Different ways to play the same coin you want to flip. All right. So uh, we have a ton of questions right now. I think we'll take one more just because this is starting to get uh, long. Anytime we talk SC, Tony, you just go off and I just like, I'm, I'm kind of just sitting here like taking notes and then I'll edit this and I'll retake some more notes here. But last one, uh, something that I should do more of uh, washes with soap is asking thoughts on shifting more broadly from individual stocks to ETFs as a method of managing risk. So that's kind of a good, you know, follow-up question to that is like, I guess in the short term, is that, is that another angle people could take is just kind of like go to the beach. I call them beach stocks. Like maybe an ETF yeah. is a good way to just, you know, enjoy your life go to the beach, let, let some fund managers play around, you know, and, and they pick the stocks for you. Yeah. It's also like, it's, it's, you've said this, Avi, like, you know, one of your favorite plays is that medical devices, IHI, IHI like, baby. like I, I think, you know, one thing I definitely want to like hammer in this year is like lack of better words in all weather bonsai versus like, I know we were like hitting growth hard because like in the long run, like that's okay. Right. They just like in certain times you'll have these growth like 2018, 2015 and then things run five six hundred percent so like it, it, it is basically the way that you want to play it and like i think we're going to make like a really detailed like either pod or like a detailed site for like explaining like you know a good portfolio bonds allocation even like spread different betas and stuff it would just be i think helpful for people because right now like i think a lot of people are just like a super heavy growth basket port and i think that th that will be the best risk reward, I think for the rest of the year now that they've already dropped so much, but like when those things rip, you do want to get like in a better situation in terms of like, if you are concerned about the monkey wrench coming in again, because of the fed, you want to make sure you're planning more ahead or, uh, as things pump. So, cause like every, every pop gets sold and eventually the pops won't get sold, but you just got to know, like until they don't get sold, they will get right. sold. I, it's like so simple to think, but like <laughs> it, you really got to just like, until they don't get sold anymore, they will get sold again. Right. When you least expect it. Now, I think that's a, a huge point. And I think it goes back to your saying of like, lived it to trade another day. Right. And I'm, uh, I'm on life support over here, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting everything back together. And I think that's the biggest challenge. I think a lot of folks on FinTwit are dealing with right now is they they're holding, you know, bag holding on a lot of these growth stocks. And so, you have this dilemma in your head, you go back and forth. You're like, ah, just do I kick it? I think most people are like, damn, it's down like 60%. Like it's gotta go back up eventually. So we'll, we'll see. It's <laughs> I mean, definitely yeah. not like an environment where people feel safe to flood the, the markets right now. But at the same time, we always know that like in times where people want to sell and people are afraid to buy, that is when you, you typically buy. Yeah. So it, it, it's hard because like, I remember March, 2020, I like doubled my account in like a few weeks just because things bounced so vigorously and I was in like some leaps. So it's like, 
I, I think that Arc will be testing 82. And I think 82 is like, like if I just had to give my Tony two cents, really, is like Arc's going to test 82. If you take out Arc from Tesla, Arc's like literally at 70. Or set Tesla from Arc, Arc's at 70. Because like Tesla was up like 60% last year and that's 12%. So like Arc was really like at close at 70 for the year or whatever, or 80, now 70. But if you just like look at 82, see how the level holds. And then I hope what will really happen is like a narrative change or like some sort of like strong decision. I need a strong decision. I need Powell to be like, we're raising this date. We're going to taper this much for this long. He says one thing and then he says another, but nothing's necessarily happening. And so it's causing uncertainty. And so, you know, the, the most fate loves irony would be rates get raised and then everything bounces like crazy because like, once again, like I said, if you didn't sell before, you're not selling right after because it already happened because markets price things like six months in advance. So um, I don't know, man. I also read this thing where it's like an average bear market's 9.5 months. And if you think like it's about, about time. So it's like those kind of things are like interesting to think about. And then one more thing I wanted to touch on, Avi, is just if you look at the big fangums and stuff, and I know we're like, how, how are they going to dive? But they sold off so much of what ran in 2020 and 2021 and they're selling it off now because like some people wanted to hold over the taxes because they bought maybe early 2021 but are they going to sell off the big winners of last year this year of like the big fangums like i don't know and like if they do are we going to have that 20 30 crash like gem and like other people were talking about so the croissant is saying to watch out no i mean he's saying in? like we're either gonna have we're either gonna have a five last time he's on the potty he's like we're gonna have either a five or like a 20 to 30 oh, percent right, drop right. right so like i i, I think that like the only like you need a reset or you need a big narrative change where like the S&P dives and then money pumps into growth because the change is so drastic. Like Fed says, like, we're not hiking for X amount of time or we're hiking or like whatever the market decides is going to be the right narrative that they want to pump it on. But mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, like, what do you think SE is going to go? SE was 40 before anything with COVID. And like since that time, the companies have grown like five to six times in its actual well, company. Everything corrects. That's, I mean, you see, that's what, what I'm saying earlier. Right. You see that chart just go parabolic. Like no matter what it is, it can't right. do that. And eventually it's going to come back to earth. Yeah. That and, I, and also like, you know, we're, I love SE, but like we're just using it as a good example because most people know about it. I think it's easy to talk about and like use as an example all the time, but just shocking to me, honestly, because like I, I really don't think that people... I, it's either going to be the most crazy generational buying opportunity right now, or it's going to go way lower and then be one. But I, I just don't know how SE is not like going to be up 50% this year. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Going back to, to your quote earlier from, what was it, Tom Hanks? You said, like, reflecting on 2021, just to kind of wrap everything up, I was thinking about this. It was not these roses and rainbows and everyone was going crazy. Like people were losing their jobs. People lost their family members. Things were not fun for many people, but there's a quote from the movie blow that it says, may the wind be always at your back and the sun upon your face. And so it's just like that optimistic outlook at every point, right? Like shit is not always going to be so pretty and things aren't going to be so simple always, but like you do have to try to maintain as much optimism as you can because everyone's in this together. It's very divisive times we live in right now. And we got to remember like we're all humans at the end of the day. And so people got to respect each other. I love this, Avi. Get going. This is and, the, the Avi, Avi thoughts. I'll, I'll give you, you guys always got to drop the mic here at the end, but that was my, right. little, uh, I'll, I'll drop it with, with one line. 
All right. It, you know, I'll say all the good stuff right now, though. But like, we'll be back next week, of course, with another episode. And we're going to go through everything we said in earlier today uh, in the pod. But you can't see where you're going if you only look down, Avi. So keep your head up. And with that, Pounders, we'll be back next week for another episode of Pounding the Table. Y'all on level one, on level three. Pounding on the table for my team. Every night I flex, I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. Yeah. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting honestly i never doubt it say the top is never crowded well i'm trying to climb the mountain till i need a few accountants stock is rising perfect timing i'm in brickle with the tribe shawty sliding she wants sushi she want eel sauce for the rice i just peel off with the light took her heels off for the ride don't say real talk just a lie i'm a real one i provide yeah drip on a hundred Friendly reminder, everything that you heard on this episode of Pounding the Table is purely for entertainment purposes only. None of what you heard should be construed as financial advice ever. Have a good week, Pounders.